The Bible says in Hebrews 5 and verse 11, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you're dull of hearing. I'm sure there's a lot of things the Lord would like to say to us that he can't just because we're not ready to hear them yet. That's the testimony of that verse. And then he says, verse 12, For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So this text is talking about people that should be grown in the Lord, not just in their maturity, but in their Bible knowledge. And yet they have not grown in the Lord, and they're not teaching others, and they're not helping others to follow them in their mature Christian life, but instead they are ones that need milk, though they have been saved for a good while, they've been exposed to the Bible, but they've just never grown in the Lord. And they've never grown in their understanding of the Scripture. And so he talks about milk. They're still on the milk instead of the meat. And... uh, I guess when I was in Bible college, my idea of what the milk and the meat was has probably changed over the years. The harder things of the Bible as I, as I live the Christian life are not the things that I thought were the hard things of the Bible when I was a lot younger. But even so, there is a difference here between the milk of the Word and the meat of the Word. And he begins talking about those things in chapter 6. Would you go to just the next verse, Hebrews 6, 1? Therefore, he says, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ. Now, he's not telling you to forsake the Lord. He's just saying those principles of the doctrine of Christ that you learn, that's the milk. And you need to grow up and learn some more things. And you need to mature more in what you understand about the Bible than just knowing who Jesus Christ is. He says, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection. So he doesn't want us to stay the same place in our Christian life. He wants us to ever be growing and ever to be learning. Let us go on into perfection. Then he says, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. In other words, those are... Those are the very first principles. Those are the very basic things of the Christian life. Those are the the milk things of the Word. Repentance from dead works and a faith toward God. Of course, there's some people don't even believe in that word repentance. I don't know what they do with all of that word in the Bible, but Jesus used it and Paul used it. and I mean, it's over and over all through the Bible. and, And that's a milk doctrine. Now, repentance is not... You reforming your life. Repentance is a change of heart, a change of mind on the inside. And that's why it's mentioned with faith. Repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. It's, it's together on the same coin, but just opposite sides. You can't turn to God without turning from idols. You, you can't, when you turn, there's a, a turning to something and a turning from something. That's salvation. When we, Got saved, we turn to God, but we turn from our sin. We, 
In other words, to get saved, we, we saw a need to get saved from something. I knew I was a sinner and I wanted to be saved from my sin. And so I turned to the Lord away from my sin and I wanted that sin forgiven. I wanted it to be erased. I, I, I changed my mind about that. That's a very foundational doctrine, a foundational thing in the Christian life that everybody all know. Of course, today people are confused about that because they're still on the milk. They've never grown up. And then he says of repentance toward God and of repentance from dead works and then of faith toward God. Of course, our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, our grace you saved through faith, all those are, are the foundational milk things of the word. And then he begins to go through these first principles. He mentions in verse 2, and this is going to be the subject of our Bible study, of the doctrine of baptisms. So we're going to have a little Bible study because God says that the doctrine of baptisms is something that you ought to have early as a babe in Christ. You ought to understand that from a from very early in your Christian life, and you ought to move on from that. But when I read that, immediately I, I see a problem because he says of the doctrine of baptisms. In other words, God expected us to know the Bible enough to know that there are different baptisms in the Bible. And if you don't know that as a Christian, then you're in danger because there's so much controversy and there's so much deception and there's so much confusion and heresy about baptism. And if you don't know that, you're in danger. Those are the first principles. You need to understand those things about what the Bible says about baptisms baptisms. Many of the cults prey on Baptist people that don't know their Bible. And so if I would ask you to give me a description of this simple doctrine of baptisms, would you be able to explain to me what the Bible is saying about baptisms? There's never been a more controversial religious subject in the history of the world than baptism. And uh, we call ourselves Baptists, and some people, I'm convinced, don't even know what that that means or why we call ourselves that. It's because of our belief about what baptism is. First of all, let me give you some varieties and confusions of that that we'll have to clear up if we're going to have the right doctrine of this milk doctrine. When the Bible mentions the word baptism, it's not all mentioning water. Okay, that's the first thing you have to understand. He says the doctrine of baptisms. All baptisms in the Bible are not water baptisms. And if you don't know that, you're you're in great danger of being deceived by some verses in the Scripture. Because as soon as you see the word baptism, you have to find out which baptism he is speaking of. Because there's the doctrine of baptisms. And you have to know which one he's talking about. Secondly, I would say the great heresy of baptismal regeneration. One of the reasons that we call ourselves Baptists is because we believe that baptism does not have anything to do with our water baptism, does not have anything to do with our salvation. We do not believe that getting in the water washes away our sins. That, that's a heresy. That, that is a doctrine called baptismal regeneration that's really mainly promoted by two groups of people. And one is Catholic and one is Protestant. <laughs> But they believe the same thing. The, the Catholic Church believes that, that water baptism has a part in making you a Christian. Water baptism only makes you wet. It does not make you a Christian. 
the other group, the Protestant group, would be the Church of Christ and those that hold all that form of baptismal regeneration that say that that we, you know, instead of baptizing babies to make them Christians, we baptize adults to make them Christians, and neither could be farther from the truth. Then you have hyper-dispensationalists. If you don't know what that is, you've not missed much, but... Those are people that only believe certain books in the New Testament are for the church, not, not all the books are for us. They believe that water baptism should not even have a place in the local church today. There's so much confusion. Then there is pe- people that believe in infant baptism, not just Catholics believe in infant baptism. Lutherans will do that. Some Presbyterians do that. I'm reading a biography where, where the uh, Presbyterian guy or this missionary, his child was, was uh, sprinkled. So there are many people that practice infant baptism, or we'd call that pedo-baptism. That, that is a deception. There are no babies that are baptized in the Bible. No babies. And then you've got more confusion. You've got people say, well, how do we baptize? Do we sprinkle? Do we dip? Do we immerse? Then you have people who say, well, how, how do we baptize? Do we baptize people forward or backward? Do you know people will fight and make a whole denomination out of which way you're baptized if you're put forward? And then you have a group of people say, well, okay, how many times? You know, there's a group of people that even come to the Bible that believe you have to be baptized seven times in the water. I think they've mistaken an Old Testament scripture for, anyway. But they believe you've got to be put down seven times in the water. That's not in the New Testament. And then there's an argument about whose name and whose name should you be baptized. I mean, there's one group that says you're to be baptized in the name of Jesus only. And then there's another group that says you're supposed to be baptized in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Ghost. All these arguments that cause people so much problems and have caused so many different denominations to exist. God says all of this is milk. That you should have had straightened out not long after you got saved because it ought to be very clear in the Bible to you. Now, the Bible does say there's one baptism, and that means there's one baptism that counts. That does not negate the doctrine of baptisms, plural. And there is a baptism that has something to do with your salvation, but it is not water baptism. Now, let's look at some of these texts, first of all. I'm going to show you, Sarah, you know, if you have seven baptisms or five baptisms, you have... If you don't have a distinction of baptisms, though, then you've not grown enough in your Bible and you're, you're in danger of not being able to answer people for what you believe. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and I want to show you the baptism of Israel. God baptized Israel, but he did not baptize them with water. <laughs> Matter of fact, the only people that got in the water were the people that died. It's sort of like the ark. And, of course, the ark is even mentioned in 1 Peter 3, being connected with baptism. But the people that were in the ark never got in the water. <laughs> All the people that are in the water perished. That's the baptism of Israel here in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Would you look at it with me? He says in 1 Corinthians 10. Now, these are simple things. You say, why do you go through this? Because it's in the Bible. Amen. I can't just preach the devil out of you every service. <laughs> i got to give you some Bible sometime as well. 1 Corinthians 10, 1, Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant. <laughs> don't, don't, don't egg me on now. Don't egg me. God does not want us to be ignorant. And 
These are brethren. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto who? Moses in the what? In the cloud and in the sea. Not in the baptistry. I have never partaken of the baptism of Moses. I was never baptized in a cloud. And I wasn't baptized in the Red Sea there. And of course, as you know, he's talking about when they crossed over on dry ground and the sea is on, they went down into the sea on dry ground. They didn't touch the water, of course. And, and God called that a baptism as they walked through that cloud of God. As that cloud overshadowed them. And they went into that cloud. They went into the protection of God. And, and that, as it were, for the nation of Israel was a turning point. And, and that was the start of something new for them. It was the start of their nation. They're leaving Israel, Egypt and they're going to the promised land. And that's such a picture of, of, of a national birth of a nation. And they're baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. That doesn't have anything to do with Water baptism or our baptism as a church, that's a baptism for Israel. As a matter of fact, there's also another baptism for Israel. Would you get Mark chapter 1? And uh, you can get Acts chapter 13 with your other hand. Now, this is one people will fight about. But all you have to do is look at Scripture with Scripture, and, and God explains these things to us. Mark chapter 1, <clears throat> verse number 4. John, okay, this is John the Baptist. And no, he is not the founder of our church. If he is, I resign. The head of the church is Jesus. The foundation of the church is Jesus. The one that started the church, he said, I will build my church, not John the Baptist. I appreciate John the Baptist, but he is not the start of our church. <laughs> That's so ludicrous. How could you start a church before there is a church? <laughs> Way before the church started. Mark chapter 1, verse 4. John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And there went out unto him all the land of Judea. And they of Jerusalem and were all baptized of him in the river of Jordan, confessing their sins. Well, that's the first way you know that's not our water baptism because I've never baptized anybody in the water confessing their sins. You ever seen that? Somebody get in the water and they said, let me tell you all my sins. Thank God we don't do that. I don't want to hear that. Acts 13. Well, let's get some more information about John's baptism. It was a baptism for Israel. Acts chapter 13, the Bible says in verse 24, look at the wording of the scripture. Acts 13, 24. When John had first preached before his coming, the baptism of repentance to all the people of who? Of Israel. Now I want you to turn to Acts 19 and hold your finger there and go all the way to John chapter 1. This is so important for you. Because somebody will take the Bible and twist it to where you'll be totally confused about what the Bible's saying. And if, unless you understand the doctrine of these different baptisms, you will not have an answer. John chapter 1, the Bible says this, verse number 25. 
And they asked him and said unto him, Why baptizest thou then, if thou be not that Christ, nor Elias, neither that prophet? Why are you baptizing? That's a good question, isn't it? Verse 26, John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you whom you know not. He it is, who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoes latched I am not worthy to unloose. These things were done in Bethabar beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day John seeth Jesus coming to him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh the man which is preferred before me, for he was before me, and I knew him not. Now watch verse 31. This is why John baptized, God tells you. And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to who? Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. Do you see that in your Bible? John's baptism was to manifest Jesus Christ to be the Messiah for the nation of Israel. That's why he did that. Look at John chapter 3. John chapter 3, the Bible says in verse 22, After these things came Jesus and his disciples in the land of Judea, and there he tarried with them and baptized. And John also was baptizing in Anon near to Salem, because there was much water there. And they came and were baptized, for John was not yet cast into prison. And then there arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about, what's that word? Purifying. This whole, you understand, in the Old Testament, water and, and, and being immersed in water was, was associated with purification of sin. You remember when uh, Naaman the leper was cleansed, he was told to go dip sometimes in the water. Now, that may be a baptism, but that's not your baptism. And the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews that the Jews had all types of divers' washings that were associated with a purification of sin. And so the discussion of that, that's why they're coming into the water confessing their sins and to acknowledge Jesus Christ as the only Messiah that can help them with that. You say, well, is that not the same thing as ours? No, it's not. Look at Acts chapter 19. If anybody ever tries to tell you that John's baptism is the same baptism we do in the church with water, then they've never read Acts chapter 19. The Bible says in Acts 19 verse 1, And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul having passed through the upper coast came to Ephesus. And finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not heard so much as whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Under what then were ye baptized? Would you watch it? And they said, What? Under John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were what? They were baptized by John, and now they meet Paul and had to get baptized again. Is anybody, is anybody see that in the Bible? If John's baptism is the same baptism as our baptism, why are they having to get baptized again? Because they got baptized with John and they didn't have the Holy Ghost. Go to Acts chapter 8. Now, if you want to get our water baptism for the church, in Acts chapter 8, you have the Ethiopian eunuch, Philip meets him, and he wants to get baptized. 
And the Bible says in Acts chapter 8 verse 35, unless you don't have a King James Bible, because a lot of these phrases will be left out if you don't have a King James Bible, but which you ought to have. Acts 8 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came into a certain water and the eunuch said, see, here's water. What does hinder me to be baptized? I want to be baptized. I just heard you preach about Jesus. 37. And Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. So we have a prerequisite to be baptized. And it's not just telling all of us your sins. You have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to be baptized. That's called believer's baptism. We don't baptize anyone that, that doesn't believe. It's not a religious act. Now, furthermore, look at Acts chapter 10. It goes a step further. When these Gentiles start getting baptized... Now, Peter's preaching to these Gentiles, and they've never heard about Jesus and about salvation. They hear it for the first time with the Apostle Peter. And Acts chapter 10, verse 44, the Bible says, While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Now, they did that to prove to the Jewish people the Jews require a sign because up to this point, they're not letting Gentiles into their fellowship. They don't even believe they can be a part of the church. So God gives them the same gift that he gave back to the Jews in Acts chapter 2. That's not a, a mumbo-jumbo language. That's, that's a language somebody speaks on the earth that have supernatural gift to speak Swahili. And they didn't ever study it. Verse 47. Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received, what does it say? The Holy Ghost as well as we. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. So the requirement for believer's baptism for church in the local church is, you've got to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And watch this now. The prerequisite is, you've got to have the Holy Ghost in you. Now, we know if you get saved, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, God puts the Holy Ghost in you, right? But I can't see Him in people. Now, we have people come up with their children and say, you know, my child wants to be baptized. Well, the, we want to know if the Holy Ghost is in them. We don't want to just go through a format. You understand? They didn't... They did not baptize people who didn't have the Holy Ghost. That's why in Acts chapter 19, John's baptism, which is not church baptism, was not good enough. You know why? Because nobody was getting the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost was not yet given until Jesus was glorified. Jesus had to leave for the Holy Ghost to come down. That's, that, was the, that was something different in the organism of the church. Okay? So that baptism was different than John's baptism. You say, why is that important? Because you could go to Acts chapter 19 and say, man, I need to get baptized more than once. If you don't understand that John's baptism is different than the baptism of believers in Christ who have received the Holy Ghost. Now, if we could look into your children or into anybody and see whether the Holy Ghost is in there, that would be the perfect test of whether they ought to be baptized, but we can't do that. We've got to. Take people's word for it. But you ought to know whether the Holy Ghost is in you or not. So the there's a baptism of Israel. There's a baptism 
of church age believers in water. And then go to, uh, you're, you're already in Acts, so go to, go to Acts chapter 1. I can just show you this next baptism right here. Acts chapter 1, verse 5, Jesus says to the disciples, before he ascends up to heaven, For John truly baptized with water, but she shall be baptized with the what? Holy Ghost, not many days hence. And then in Acts chapter 2, that, that event occurs. Acts 2 verse 1, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting. And they're baptized with the Holy Ghost in this text. They receive the Holy Ghost. But now look at the end of the chapter, Acts chapter 2 and verse 41, then they that gladly received his word were baptized. Now, that's water baptism. So there is a baptism of the Holy Ghost, and then there's a baptism of water, and it's not the same. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Well, then you've got the charismatic people that come along and say, well, the baptism of the Holy Ghost is when you speak in tongues, and that's a lie. It's not true. Jesus never spoke in tongues. <laughs> I, I dare you to, to say that Jesus was not totally consumed with the Holy Ghost from the day he came here to the day he left. Never spoke in tongues. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it tells us what that Holy Ghost baptism is. 1 Corinthians 12 the Bible says in verse number 13, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one what? Body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. Now watch it. There's, some, there's even Baptists that take this verse and apply it to water baptism. And it's not water baptism. It is Holy Ghost baptism. You say, how do you know that? Look at, just look at it. Look at the verse. For by one Spirit are we all baptized. Who is doing the baptizing? Who is doing the baptizing? It's not the preacher. It's the Holy Ghost. It's the Spirit of God that is doing the baptizing. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one baptistry. Is that what it says? Into one body. You know, the wonderful truth about salvation is when I got saved, the Holy Ghost just didn't come into me. He also baptized me into Jesus. He put me into Jesus. I am in Christ. In, in Christ, in His body. We are members of His body and of His flesh and of His bones. How is that possible? When I got saved, the Holy Ghost put me there. John baptized with water, but there's coming somebody that baptized with the Holy Ghost. He will baptize with you with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost baptism is God, God the Holy Ghost putting us into Jesus. That's why we're seated where He is. We're seated together with Him in heavenly places because we're in Christ. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, what does that mean? That means the Holy Ghost has put me in Jesus. So how is that possible? We're looking at you. There's more than one part to me. And there's a part of me 
that is joined unto the Lord and it's one spirit. And I'm in Jesus. And if you're saved, the same thing with you. You have been baptized by the Holy Ghost. I remember Brother Wood saying, Brother Jack, what he used to say when people get down and pray. He said he used to leave, he used to have his eyes open when they'd pray and ask Jesus to say, he said, I want to see the Holy Ghost go in. <laughs> now you can't see that happen, but it does happen if people get saved. It's a spiritual baptism that occurs. You know how important that is because there are some people think that if, if they join a Baptist church that they're in Christ. That is not true. You're only in Christ if the Holy Ghost puts you in Christ. It is a spiritual birth. It's not a religious exercise. It's something God the Holy Ghost has to do in you and for you when you receive Christ. And that's why we talk to people about, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Have you ever received Him? Has, has God the Holy Ghost ever moved into your life? If He hasn't, it doesn't matter what role you're on or what pew you feel. Or who your parents are. Or how good you are. You've got to be baptized by the Holy Ghost to be a part of Jesus. And He does that to everyone that will trust Him. After that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. You were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. So thank God for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's that baptism that is connected with our salvation. But it's not something we are doing. It's something God the Holy Ghost does. And that's why we, we can, we'll get ourselves in trouble as Baptists if we don't have this distinction. Because the Church of Christ will say, well, you Baptists believe that you become a part of the church by water baptism. Just like we believe you become a part of the church or the Lord's body by baptism as well. But see, this is the difference. We don't believe somebody becomes a part of the church by water baptism. Are you listening to me? You can get in that baptistry and go straight to hell. That doesn't make you a part of the church. What makes you a part of the church is the Holy Ghost has put you into the church. You see that distinction? Oh, that's so necessary. Matthew chapter 20. I'll give you a fourth one. The doctrine of baptism. This is milk. Matthew chapter 20. Jesus says in verse number 22, But Jesus answered and said, You know not what ye ask. Are ye able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of, and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They say unto him, We are able. <laughs> they, don't even, they don't even know what he's talking about. And he said, to them, he said to them, you shall indeed drink of my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to him, to them for whom it is prepared of my father. He says, I got a cup to drink and a baptize, baptism to be baptized with. Can you partake in that? What is he talking about? Look at Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12 and verse number 50. Jesus said, but I have a baptism to be baptized with. Now this is after he was baptized in water by John years before. Are, are you with me? 
So whatever this baptism is, it's not his baptism in water. Are you with me? That was three years before. But I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how am I straightened till it be accomplished? Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. The baptism that he's talking about and the cup that he's got to drink has to do with his death. It's the baptism of death. He's going to die. And he's not just going to die physically. He's going to die an eternal death so you and I don't have to die that way. The cup that he drinks is going to be the cup of sin and the judgment and the wrath of God upon sin so that you don't have to drink that cup. But watch Romans chapter 6, verse number 3. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ. Again, what are you baptized into there? Into Jesus Christ. It's not a trick question. You're not being baptized into water here. You're being baptized into Jesus Christ. That's the Holy Ghost putting you into His body. Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into what? His death. Therefore, we are buried with Him by baptism into death. That's a baptism into the death of Jesus Christ. A, 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 a baptism of death. You say, what is that? sounds spooky. No, that sounds wonderful. Because read it. Romans 6 is one of the greatest chapters in all the New Testament about the Christian life. And it's about being baptized into the death of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? Therefore we are baptized... We are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we should be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him, for in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed this is a great sin will not have dominion over you because you're dead you're dead to sin you're dead to the penalty of sin you're dead to the power of sin because you've been baptized into his death when he died you died you identify with that death that is not a water baptism you spiritually you you are put into his death and all of your sins all of that that old man it's crucified you say, well, it don't look like it. Well, it may not be, but that's what he says right there in that, in that chapter. The old man is crucified. You're dead. You know, if you put a dead man in a casket up here, you can bring him a milkshake and he's not going to be tempted to drink it. Right. You know what's wrong with us? We don't see ourselves as dead with Christ. Yeah. That's good. I, I don't have to do those things anymore. I'm... 
I still walk around with a dead man, but I'm not connected to it. I don't have to yield to it. Sin not, don't, will not have dominion over it because I baptized into his death. And that's why all my sins, guys, if you're saved, all of your sins have already been paid for. They've been died for because you've been baptized into the death of Jesus Christ if he's your Savior, if you've been saved. The baptism into his death, that, that is... We are buried with him by baptism into death. That's Colossians chapter 2. It's a foundational principle in in Christianity. But a lot of people don't understand that. And I think that's a lot of times why we have problems with sin problems. We think, I just can't help it. That's not true. If you're saved, you can't help it. Sin will not have dominion over you. You're dead. You're dead and your life is hid with Christ and God. It's buried. Amen. Your past is buried. Isn't that a blessing? To know your past is buried in the graveyard with Jesus. And everything in the future is also buried there too, by the way. Well, let's get the last one. Matthew chapter 3 that I'll give you tonight. I'm not trying to teach you a Bible Institute course, but we'll give this and we'll be done. Matthew chapter 3. Verse number 10, Matthew 3, verse 10, And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the what? Now remember that word, fire. So these trees that aren't good are going to be cut down and cast into the fire. 11, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me, of course that's Jesus, is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to, to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. We already talked about that. Comma. Now the comma is important. You've got a different thought. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with what? Fire. You say, well, that's Acts 2, the cloven tongue. No, the, those cloven tongues were not fire. They were like as. That's a simile. There was no fire in Acts 2. There was something that looked like it, but that's not what it was. And with fire. You say, what is he talking about? Verse 12. Whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable what? Now watch it. Wheat, chaff. Wheat goes up into the barn. Chaff goes down into the fire. You see that? Just like the axe is laid to the root of the tree. And those that, that the, the bad tree or the bad fruit, they're going to be thrown into the fire. The chaff is going to be, he's going to be uh, burned up with unquenchable fire. There is a baptism of fire. That's when God puts people into fire just like pe- people are put into water. Just like you can be put into Christ. That's why hell is called in the final judgment the lake of fire. And Jesus said he's going to cast people there. He talks about 
their, their feet. He talks about their hands. He talks about their eyes. He said, whatever you need to do, make sure you do everything to stay out of being cast into hell. You're, you don't want that baptism of fire. You don't want to be immersed in a lake of fire where the beast and the false prophet are going to be cast into that lake of fire. So there's a baptism of fire. And here's the thing. You can either be baptized. You can either be baptized of the Holy Ghost or you can be baptized in fire. You can either be baptized by the Holy Ghost and be part of that wheat that gets put up in the barn and leaves this world or you can be the chaff with all that bad fruit and that bad tree that never won't have anything to do with Jesus Christ and wouldn't receive Him and wouldn't repent, wouldn't trust Him. And you can be immersed into a lake of fire. And that baptism ought to make all of us be better witnesses. And that baptism ought to put every unbeliever in fear. Not being afraid of him that can destroy the body. But him that can destroy both body and soul in hell, in that lake of fire. Mm. So, the doctrine of baptism, let's not be confused about it.